So as business owners or people who are creating a brand, we hear a lot about the importance of marketing and marketing is important, but at what point does that get overshadowed or uh, lost in terms of how important doing your craft is? We're going to talk about this and more on The Rightly Show. It's the program that helps you start and grow a brand-centric online business through the fusion of form and function. This is The Rightly Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas McGee and this is The Rightly Show. So today we're going to talk about a topic that I see come up pretty regularly as people are building their business online, which is very much the core of what this show is all about. So it doesn't matter if you haven't started yet and you want to get started uh, and it doesn't, you know, it also, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you are a well-established professional who's been building a brand on the on the web for a long period of time. This will apply just as equally to you. And that is what you're probably going to find, especially as you start to explore other people who are doing the same type of work as you, is how important it is to become good at marketing. And so I 100% agree with the point that it is important to become a marketer. Right. It is important regardless of what you do. If you're a painter, if you're a musician, if you're an author, if you're a coach, if you're a speaker, if you're a writer, uh, if you do real estate, if you run your own hair salon. I mean, the the uh, the number of things that you could do professions is pretty much endless. But again, regardless of the type of business that you are running, it becomes imperative that you yourself become very good at marketing because the old adage is true that no matter how good the thing is that you make, it will never market itself. So we're going to talk all about that today, the importance of marketing. And beyond that, why as we become good at marketing and as we touch on marketing, how it can be easy even to lose sight of the very craft that we do. So and so, what we're going to talk about today is finding the balance between those two between craft and marketing and making sure that they work together in order to build a brand that actually grows uh, for your business moving forward. But before I did that, I wanted to mention something that we have available over at Rightly TV. And this is something that I want to continue to share just because I think it is really helpful for people who are just getting started. And that is finding a WordPress host. Because as I've touched on in previous episodes before, WordPress is the best. I've had, uh, I've I've seen or been a part of a recent uh, online conversation, which I found really interesting. And so somebody was uh, in the market for some WordPress hosting, and I saw a number of different conversations going back and forth where people were like, "Well, hey, hold on a second. Why are you going to use WordPress?" Some people are like, "Well, what about Webflow? Or what about Wix? Or what about?" Uh, Drupal or all these other different options, and I kind of, uh, I kind of chuckled as I watched all these different converse, <clears throat> all these different conversations go through as people were talking about the different hosting options that exist. And what's interesting about this is this is nothing new. I've seen a ton of different website frameworks come out throughout the years that have come and gone that have had a wave or a bump of support. And then drop off. The only one that I've watched consistently grow over the since it was originally created was the platform of WordPress. So I used to, just as a quick example, uh, probably about almost 10 years ago, I used to develop pretty heavily on a platform called Adobe Business Catalyst, 
which used to be, I think it was Goodberry before that, and then Adobe purchased it. And it was all-inclusive, meaning it was so easy to use. You could do your own online shop. You could, you know, it handled all your email. You could do all your page building. Well, guess what happened to Adobe Business Catalyst? They scrapped it. So all those poor souls who had sites that were built on other frameworks and platforms had to switch over from something else. And by the way, there's no easy way to migrate from that platform to something else. So you just lost everything that you've done with WordPress. It's all built and based on PHP. So even if WordPress decided to stop developing that platform, you could still have a functioning running website so long as you were working with a developer who could develop PHP. So that's a long story. The bottom line is, yes, you want to use WordPress. You want to use self-hosted WordPress because it's going to be the platform that provides you the most flexibility, the most power, the most ease of use while keeping you in complete control. So head on over to rightly.tv slash hosting where I talk all about why I recommend WP Engine. Uh, they're a great host. I've been using them for a couple of years now. I recommend them to all my friends and all my clients. So head on over to rightly.tv slash hosting. Again, that's a totally free video. Check it out over at rightly.tv slash hosting. Have a question for the program? Call 844-RIGHTLY to record your question, and we would be happy to consider featuring it in a future episode. That's 844-744-4859 or 844-RIGHTLY. If you would rather write in, feel free to email show at rightlydesigned.com. Okay, so today's main topic that we're going to be talking about uh, is all about finding a balance between craft and marketing. So we've got two extremes, or at least two extremes that I've run into. And one is I'm an artist, I'm an author, I'm a speaker, I'm a writer, and I just want to do my craft. I just want to do my work. And, you know, if people choose to buy it, that's fine. Now, that mentality works just fine if you're going to do this as a hobby. However, if you're going to do this as a career or if you're going to grow a brand that actually produces an income that it can't stop there, you have to become a marketer. It just has to happen. And then I've seen the other end of the spectrum where I've seen some people who, uh, you know, they want so badly to create a brand on the web or they want to create a business that they completely lose sight of their craft and they go through uh, marketing funnels and webinars and, you know, coaching tutorials and everything else in terms of how to get the marketing tactics down and completely lose sight of the thing that they're creating. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to go through some of the uh, some of the things that you can keep in mind, kind of finding and striking a balance between those two. So at this point, I'm going to go ahead and kick things over to you, Casey, in terms of what we're going to touch on next. I love it. Thank you. Um, one of the things I'm curious about, and I think we should start off the conversation, is how do you actually define marketing and craftsmanship? What are those things? And, you know, Let's and I'd love to start with marketing. How do you define marketing? Absolutely. So marketing is the act of messaging or reaching or changing the audience you want to change. Right. So a lot of people will think of marketing as a Facebook ad or a lot of people equate marketing with advertising in general. You know, so they'll see, you know, uh, an ad play before the, a YouTube video that they're getting ready to watch and they'll equate that with marketing. Marketing isn't that at all. Marketing is the act of being generous, really. It's the act of reaching out to the people you want to reach and providing them something of value. 
And sometimes that can be free and sometimes there'll be a monetary exchange for that. But it's just the act of being generous. If you are writing a blog, uh, you know, daily or weekly uh, in your target market or to particular people in your audience, that's the act of marketing. If you're producing a weekly podcast, that's the act of marketing. If you are running a Facebook ads that uh, drive traffic to a squeeze page, which gets people to opt into a webinar that you're running once a month, that's the act of marketing. Marketing itself is just the avenue through which we reach the people we want to uh, interact with and build our business around. It's the, the method or the channel or the way in which we serve our audience. Now, there is good marketing and there's bad marketing. What I've seen is that Good marketing, I've heard it said many times before, is something that you do for people. It is actually an act of service. You're not asking for anything in return, at least initially. It's an act of service. You're trying to make somebody else's life better. Whereas bad marketing is something that you do to people. So for example, a direct mailer, you know, something that you get in the mail that you never asked for. Or junk mail, meaning spam emails that you get for lists that you never opted into. Uh, flashing banner ads or autoplay videos that interrupt what you're doing. Things that are being done to you without your permission is bad marketing. But at its core, marketing is the act or the process of reaching the people that you want to reach. And just a little aside to that as well, you'll hear some people say, particularly in the book industry, I used to work pretty extensively in the book industry, people will say, oh, I want to market my book to everyone. That is effectively marketing your book to no one. In order for you to do marketing, the first thing that you have to do is determine to whom you are going to market, or better better put this way, who are you going to serve and what do they have in common? So that's an important piece to nail down, first of all, is determining who you're going to market to and what that's going to look like. Now, in terms of craft and craftsmanship, that is the way uh, in which you do your work. Right. So uh, if you are like me and you build websites or if you design book jackets or if you do real estate or if you write fiction or if you're a songwriter or uh, a guitarist or, you know, a hairstylist or whatever type of work it is that you do, if you're a consultant, it's the manner in which you do that work. It's the attention to detail. It's the things that make what you the way you do your work special and unique. A lot of this can have to do with the process. And then some of this can also have to do not only with the deliverable. So, you know, the final edit, edited manuscript, if you're an editor, some can have to do with that. And some of it can have to do with the process. What is it like to work with you personally? What's it like to interact? Uh, how, uh, you know, what's the customer experience? Everything in between the process of getting started with you and then actually finishing with you. So there's a lot of different pieces and nuance to craft itself. But at the end of the day, craft and craftsmanship is being good and very competent in the work that you do. I loved your definition of marketing and focusing and centering it around that concept of generosity. And it really reminded me of Seth Godin's definition, how he talks about marketing. In his in Seth Godin's latest book, This Is Marketing, he opens it up. It's, he says, the answer to just about every question about work is really the question, who can you help? And Thomas, you said, you said it slightly differently. You said, who can you serve? And then Seth Godin defines marketing as the act of making change happen. And so I think 
it is important for us to to center and have that perspective about marketing and what it what it is because it's not a it's not a bad thing it can be used in a bad way and there's you know ways to do it right and ways to do it wrong or uh or in a, a annoying fashion um but it is a an integral part to to anyone's business we are all marketers in the in the sense that we are trying to serve someone and help them make a change happen um the idea of craftsmanship is is fascinating to me what is the relationship between craftsmanship and quality in your work within the context of say a business yeah totally so there's like there is we have to one of the things we have to do, and I think is really challenging, especially for those of us who, who do work that requires a craft of some kind, is to quantify what quality is, right? So are we talking to spec? Like, for example, are we building something and that dowel you needs to be 12 inches long? Like, it's either 12 inches or it's not. Or you're designing a logo, and a logo is so subjective in terms of what is good and what is bad, and, and a logo and different tastes and cultures and society and everything else. I think a big part of it, and this is something I want to actually dedicate a full-length episode to when it comes to quality and craftsmanship, isn't so much the act of actually producing the thing, but the expertise that's behind it. So I've to, let's stick on the, the logo design process, uh, since we've used this as an example before. If I were to talk about uh, you know getting a logo design done, and we're going to talk about quality and craftsmanship. Uh, one example would be to go to one of those logo design contests, which I talk about often, and everybody who listens to the show knows I'm not a huge fan of them, but let's use them as an example. If you go to a, a logo design contest and you get 99 uh, logo designs that are show, you know presented to you that you get to choose from, that person used Illustrator or Photoshop to create that logo. That person uh, is probably competent in that software. They made the shapes and the types and the colors and everything that constitute that logo then let's jump it to another way or process and you actually hire a logo designer who is competent and has been doing and not to say the person on that you know the other design place isn't but let's say this person specializes in logos and they only take on higher end clients and they've been doing this for you know a long period of time they're going to ask you a series of questions. They're going to find out more about your business, your target market, your competitor, the brand you're trying to build, the personality of the brand. They're going to ask those types of questions. Then they're going to go through the, the process, which can take weeks, if not months, of actually sketching out individual uh, logo concepts and then taking that into a, you know, a a tool like Illustrator to then craft an actual set or series of logos from you to choose from, which are going to be probably down to three to five. So at the end of the day, what you get presented with are essentially the same thing. You get a, a collection of logos. However, the distinction between the two is craft, is quality. One took an in-depth, comprehensive process to reach something the other did not. The other was quicker. It was, uh, you know, just meant to kind of vaguely represent what uh, information you've provided to them without necessarily digging into the core of the brand to create it. The other example you could say is a McDonald's cheeseburger and going out to a five-star restaurant and having some sort of really fancy dish crafted for you by a chef. The same type of thing applies 
one of the things that we have to ask as, you know, we have to ask our ask ourselves in terms of our craft itself is where are we placing the, ourselves in that spectrum? Are we more of the five-star restaurant or are we closer to fast food? And what I one of the things I like to highlight, especially with a lot of the clients I work with, is that the higher you can place yourself or the closer you can place yourself to that five-star restaurant, the better you're going to do. You're going to have better clients, you're going to get paid more, and you're going to find pretty quickly that you're going to be able to distinguish yourself a lot faster than you will who, like, for example, if you're a person on Upwork who's, uh, you know, struggling and fighting against 30 other people for a $100 job. So there's a big difference. And a lot of that has to do with brand. A lot of that has to do with marketing. But it starts with having an attitude or a way of doing your work that is above and beyond other people who are in your industry. That reminds me of what Seth Godin says about the race to the bottom. If you try to compete on price and delivering the highest value for the lowest cost, there will always be somebody cheaper. Um, In terms of how a customer or a consumer of your product or service might define quality, would you say that quality is measured by how well the delivered product or service aligns with the customer's expectations because like on and and kind of where you fall on that spectrum because like with you consider the category of fast food as you know as an example there's varying quality in terms of what's delivered through fast food but there's definitely a parameter or a constraint on what that quality is like i wouldn't go to mcdonald's and expect a filet mignon you know steak uh you know with asparagus and mashed potatoes because that's not the that's not the level i'm going for that's a misalignment of of expectation and and attributes and flavor and speed and all of that and so how do how would you as a as a business uh or you know a service provider align the level of quality to your customer's expectations or to what you perceive to be your target audience's expectations? Yeah, no, that's a really, that's a really great question. I think a, a big part of it is placing the, and, and here's a, a big distinction. And this is something you as a, a business owner or a, you know, a brand builder can take away from this is when it comes to the expectations, you want to place the potential client or customer, you want to place the focus in the right place. So if you're going to position yourself as I'm the fastest or the cheapest, you probably aren't. You're probably going to lose because there's always someone that's going to be faster and cheaper than you. However, if you're able to place the focus upon the way that you do your work, uh, if you're able to place the focus on the craft itself, so let's draw uh, like a parallel to the way that I build and design WordPress websites. I build them from the ground up, from the front end design to actually sketching out wireframes uh, to the actual front end development, back end development, all crafted to work together to help produce specific business, business results. There's a ton of other developers out there. There's a ton of other designers out there. There's a ton of other people who make WordPress websites. What there are not 
are a lot of other people who do all of those things, combine them together with with a level of marketing expertise uh, to a final product that is similar to what we create. There's just not many other people who do it that way. And so that's why when people come to us to build a website, they're not looking for a website. They're looking for a website that we do in a particular way. So the same thing applies to anyone. You want somebody who comes to you with expectations of a particular end product because they've come to know your philosophy for creating that end product. So I've got a friend who's a barber and he is very, very, he takes his craft extremely seriously to the various, you know, he he provides like a massage for every uh, client who comes in. It's very kind of old fashioned style barbershop. He's very meticulous. He's very, he's very dedicated to the craft. And so there's a ton of different places you can go to chains, to salons, to anywhere else to get a haircut. But people go back to him because he because of the way that he approaches the craft. Sure, you can get a haircut anywhere, but the way that he does it and his personality and everything else that people find unique to him are the reasons they come back to him. And by the way, why he's able to charge more for a haircut. So that's the that's the thing that we have to do when it comes to managing expectations of our customers. First of all, we have to distinguish ourselves from the other people who are doing the type of work that we're doing. What makes what we do unique? How is it better? I think one of the uh, my favorite phrases on this this topic is I think it's Marie Forleo who mentions it pretty regularly, which is I'm expensive, but worth it dot com, meaning I'm going to charge more for what I do. My work is going to be more expensive than most of the other people in this industry or in this market but you're going to get more than you paid for. As you start building that reputation uh, you know, for the type of work that you do, again, you're gonna get clients who aren't worried about the price. They aren't worried about the turnaround time. They just want the type of work that you do because they've got you've got testimonials or they've seen your content or they can see or know or feel confident that, that that's the type of work that you do. I love that example of the barber uh, because there's I'm I I love getting a haircut. Getting a haircut is one of like my like <laughs> it's one of the few things that I'm willing to pay extra for because like it's it's almost like your personal brand, your personal advertiser, and you know someone who takes great care in uh, their their craft of cutting hair is like. It's a it's a billboard for them because you know if you if if they give you a great haircut, someone's going to mention it and be like, "Dude, nice haircut! Where'd you get that?" You're going to tell them, and if they give you a bad haircut, someone's going to be like, "Someone's going to tell them what happened to your hair," and they will also tell them. And so there's a the, a very um, short fee or or intimate feedback loop um, in in that profession. In terms of crafts craftsmanship. When it comes to uh, a product or a service, whether you know you are delivering a digital product, physical product, whether you're cutting hair or building a website, what role does craftsmanship play in marketing the product or service by itself? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the big ways that it play it plays a big role is where you place the emphasis. Right. So this is going to apply more to somebody who actually creates some sort of deliverable. Right. So if you do some sort of coaching or consulting or, or something like that, or you do like an online course, uh, that would be a little bit more challenging. Uh, 
But a lot of it, I think, comes down to finding out, you know, how you can highlight, like we touched on a little bit earlier, that process of kind of how you do it. And a big part of it is, too, is showing that you are genuine in the work that you do, like that you're coming from the right place. One of the examples I did want to touch on briefly, and you'll still see this to some degree, is the whole concept of SEO. And there's, you know, what people call white hat SEO, and there's what some people would call black hat SEO. But I remember, I don't know, not quite 10 years ago, but probably about close to that. It was huge for people to do quote unquote search engine optimization. And they would pack their articles with keywords. And I think people still do this to some degree. And they'll, you know, test out a bunch of different headlines, not to be good headlines, but just to be picked up by search engines. So people were constantly, you could hire agencies that did nothing but quote unquote search engine optimization. So I remember I wrote an article back uh, during this time where uh, I touched on the fact that people needed to make a decision who they were writing for. Because again, at the time, it was very much blog centric. And so I said, who is it that you're writing for? Are you writing this article for Google or are you writing this article for a person? And one of the points that I was making is that if you if you aim for Google, you won't get Google or the person. But if you aim for the person, you'll get the person and the Google will kind of get tossed in to kind of paraphrase a C.S. Lewis quote. But it's that's kind of the way it works with our marketing and as well with our craft. If you focus on the craft and you do good work, it makes the marketing a lot easier. And that's what a lot of people don't get. They'll sit there and like, man, why am I not getting click-throughs on this? Why is the marketing so difficult? Why is this ad not converting? Oh, let's tweak this headline or let's try this, uh, this algorithm here or maybe I'll switch this color here or this or that. First, go back and ask the question, is what you're making so unbelievably good and valuable to the people you're trying to reach that it's easy to market or does it always feel like an uphill climb? By creating something good to begin with, you'll see that the actual marketing process becomes endlessly easier. When you're considering who you're trying to go for, how to like who your target audience is, how does that how does knowing who your audience is and who you're going after impact the level of craftsmanship that you put into the product or service you're delivering? Yeah, a lot of that's going to come down to the, like defining the type of market that you're going to reach. So, for example, if you're going to do a business to consumer B2C type business, depending on the consumer you're trying to reach, the price point probably has to be a uh, decent amount lower than if you're reaching out B2B, business to business to a larger corporation, like a manager who has a budget to spend on the thing that you're going to do. So the price point there is going to be different. And that is also going to change or affect the type of craftsmanship that gets applied to the work that you're doing as well. So for example, if you are working with a big team and they've got a budget that enables you to hire resources, that's going to enable you to do a higher level of work. That's just the way that it's going to be. If you're working B2C, you might not necessarily be able to have, uh, you know, as high a price point as you could if you were working with, say, a company. But I think the key is finding out, and this is kind of my rule of thumb. This doesn't apply to everyone. This doesn't apply to every brand or every industry. 
But whatever the market that you're working within, the more that you can place the focus on your craft and on the work and on the delivery and on the the style and everything itself, the more you can place the focus and the emphasis on that, the better off you're going to be. Because again, we're just, we're reaching a point in time where with blogs and podcasts and videos and everything else that are becoming easier and easier to create, it gets really easy for your work, whether it's free or whether it's paid to get kind of lost in the weeds. So there's a phrase, and I know I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent on this one, but there's a phrase that gets tossed around a lot that is, done is better than perfect. And I agree with this to a degree in the sense that it doesn't help, it doesn't pay to sit around and nitpick something that will only be marginally better before you release it. However, what I'm a huge advocate of is doing the absolute best work that you can do within the time, the budget, the resources that you have available to you at that moment. So if you have like $50 to spend on the new YouTube channel you're getting ready to produce, it is doing something like going on Amazon, buying a little $20 light, uh, and then maybe like another $20 microphone for your phone, propping it in a nice place, thinking about that lighting, giving a little attention to detail, and then, you know, bullet pointing out, putting a little work into what you're going to say, bullet pointing those things out on a piece of paper that you sit in front of you that's off camera, and then delivering something that's unique, that's concise, that's valuable uh, for the people you're trying to reach. I think that is an act of craft. That's an act of craftsmanship. And what that demonstrates to me as somebody who's listening to that person is that you care. If, for example, you're, you know, you run a big marketing you know, company and you're walking down the street with your dog kind of, you know, in portrait mode filming, uh, you know, a little off the cuff video about some marketing tips that you're just kind of rambling on about for 30 minutes. Well, what that tells me is it's like, you just don't really care about what you're doing. It's kind of an attitude. Whereas, you know, and I think that's a big part of what it takes to make good work is, putting yourself in the shoes of the person who's consuming this, whether it's free or whether it's paid. So I talked about, you know, a video uh, concept, of course, and one could have a thousand dollar budget. One could have a $50 budget, but it's the attitude. It's the way that you produce that particular work and the value provide through that, that dictates how much craftsmanship is being applied to the work at hand. In that relationship between, you know, between craftsmanship and um, craftsmanship and quality and shipping is really important to focus in on. And I like that you provided some constraints to that because like of of time and resources, because doing the best you can with what you have, whether, you know, whether that's, you know, the, the tools you have handy and on and on deadline, because anything, nothing is ever perfect. Like there is always, right. you know, uh, a, a, something you could tweak or improve or, you know, smooth the edge, smooth the edge out on um, at like at some point you have to ship it on the same point, though, the the propensity or a bias for action and shipping does not, you know, can't be an excuse to produce crap. Like exactly, you know, exactly. You should have a bias for action, but don't don't ship crap because then like people will stop ordering 
you know, people will stop, stop showing up for your stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I, let, let me actually just kind of jump in there too on that point, just because you hit on a really important point, I think, which is that it's one of those things where you hear this word that gets tossed around a lot and it just, again, we could probably do a whole episode just on this point, but you hear this word authentic or authenticity getting tossed around. And again, it's the done is better than perfect mentality. And what I like to, what my, I see why I don't really like that phrase as much. There's another phrase I like more, which is aim for perfection. Sure. You're going to fall short of it. You're not always going like, what is perfection? But the whole idea is that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start with, it's the absolute best work that I can possibly do. And it's kind of like aiming, like it's kind of like doing archery. Sure. Gravity will apply. It, that arrow will fall short of the t- the place that you're aiming, but you're always going to aim high. You're going to aim at the best you can pos- possibly do. And as a result, you're just naturally going to do better work. Whereas if you enter the equation saying done is better than perfect, you're starting out with the attitude that I'm going to create something mediocre. So that's the that's kind of the problem I have with it is I think with a lot of people who like particularly you'll see and there's a ton of people who do Facebook ads and who do uh, you know, who do coaching or marketing or seminars or run workshops. And uh, I'll see the Facebook ads come, come in from, you know, from time to time and I'll read some of the copy and they'll say, yeah, I've produced tens of millions of dollars for my clients. And, and yet the, the ad is being shot on an iPhone in their car, like at the grocery store. And I'm like, Okay, so either that's not true, either you're not making tens of millions of dollars, or the other option is that you didn't see it, you didn't see fit to invest $900 in a nice camera to make this easier to watch, right? So there's immediately something wrong there. So that's why I think when it comes down to, regardless of your budget, if you can show to the people you're trying to reach that you really care about what you're doing, I think that alone is going to take your marketing endlessly further than will, you know, a new marketing ad or a new headline or, or some sort of gimmicky, you know, tactic. (laughs) You're describing that scenario in the car and I like, it immediately makes me think of a half dozen of those that I've seen. And, you know, there's a Taco Bell in the background and it's like, I'm sorry, (laughs) but if I was making clients tens of millions of dollars, like I like Taco Bell, but I'd be eating some more authentic Mexican right. food. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, uh, no, not knocking the Crunchwrap Supreme, but um, there's there's better food out there. There's For higher sure. quality food. There's 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 more crafts put craftsmanship put into better Mexican food. Um, we've t- been talking a lot about the the craftsmanship element and that side of the spectrum, but like you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, there is a there's a tendency or propensity especially when people are just starting out with creating a blog or a podcast or getting, you know, their their service-based business uh, up and running to have a overemphasis on the marketing side and really make that um, marketing the priority um of their of their time and effort why does that why does that happen i think marketing tends to become uh the thing that a lot of people focus on because i think i've noticed that most when people are really wanting to make this work as a business so for example and there can be 
actual circumstances that that lead to that. So maybe you just really need some income or um, you just really don't like your job and you want to start doing this thing independently or you just really like the idea of, you know, monetizing your blog or whatever it is. But what I've found, and this is, it seems kind of paradoxical, but what's interesting about the process of building a business, particularly online, is that I think the more that you want and you try to monetize it, the less you're going to be able to. Whereas if you, the less you try and push the concept of monetizing it, the more you'll be able to. And what I mean by that is part of it comes down to an attitude, but more of it comes down to when you produce your work with an avenue of generosity, you're naturally going to attract people who want to repay you for that generosity. So when, if, uh, like for like something like, let's bring this down to a practical example. Let's say you've started growing your email list and you got it up to like 900 or a thousand subscribers and you're, you know, you've reached a point where it's like, you know what? I just, I really want to start, uh, monetizing this platform. So you're going to start mailing that list about all the new offers and products that you're creating. Uh, you're going to start running. Like I said, I always go back to Facebook ads, but you're going to start running ads or doing promotions or launches or things that produce revenue. And you're going to find that your audience pretty quickly gets burnt out on that uh, because it's just, again, people don't like being sold uh, when it's, when it is the focus itself, when the selling is the focus itself. What good marketing is, is when you're serving people and you're able to serve people better as a result of them paying you. Like it's just something, it's just the next natural logical step to the work that you're already doing for them for free. That's why I'm a big, big advocate of creating some set, some sort of content for people. And I don't really like the phrase content marketing, not necessarily because it's not true, but because I think it gets used in a very like sterile way, almost like SEO is in the sense that I must create blog posts per week and publish, you know, here on this topic to, you know, hit this checkbox as opposed to I need to solve this problem for this person in this way. I think that's a big distinction. So I'm a huge fan of creating content, but I'm even a bigger fan of creating content that matters because I think that's the stepping stone uh, from providing something for free to, hey, this is a business that I'm earning a living with. So to circle back around to your original question, why is it that you see people who are focusing more on marketing? I think that you see people focus more on marketing and start drowning out their craft because they want to start producing an income for this thing that they're doing, which makes sense. But I think that when it comes to doing good work, it's never done. And so it, there should never be a point in time when you're not putting at least some time into uh, improving the way that you do your work. A concept that the author Austin Kleon talks about in his uh, in his second book, Show Your Work, is to is to show your work. And I think that mindset of um, trying to trying to strike a balance you know or a rhythm between the marketing and the craftsmanship because they're not they're not opposing ideas they're not mutually exclusive because like the barber example we talked about earlier that you were referencing you know if 
he delivers a great a great haircut and his customers get compliments on it they feel more confident they feel good about themselves and they are you know essentially free advertising for him and he'll get you know referrals as well as those repeat customers um you know to a point where like the barber that i visit he only takes appointments he doesn't take walk-ins um because the wait ends up being a couple hours um and and I like I I pay more for that haircut than if I were just to go to you know a chain and pay, you know ten bucks for supercuts or something. Um, but I like the experience. I like the ambiance. I know my barber you know by name. Um, he he's my guy, and you know people compliment me um, on on my hair not all the time. Um, but like when they do, I'm like yeah, go you know check out this this place. Um, and so the the marketing and the craftsmanship aren't mutually exclusive. They overlap and they have this symbiotic relationship. How, how do you strike not a balance between them, but like, how do you know something is good enough? So like we, we talked about, you know, allocating your time and resources to do your best on a timeline and within the limitations of your budget and resources. But how do you know something is good enough to ship? Yeah. Absolutely. So I always reach that where what I like to do when I'm creating anything, uh, whether it's a website for a client or a YouTube video, I like to ask the question, what problem am I solving? And if it is a uh, if it's a website, then that might be multiple problems. But what I like to do, particularly with content, is I like to focus upon one problem and what problem am I solving? And the question I have to ask at the end of the thing that was made is, did I solve that problem? Or at least did I help the person consuming this piece of content or this thing that I have made? Have I at least helped them take a great step forward in that endeavor? So uh, earlier in this episode, I talked about uh, a free video that we have available over at rightly.tv about uh, setting up a WordPress host. I get a lot of people who come to me with the question, what WordPress host should I use? So that video is nothing but an explanation as to why I recommend WP Engine. And then a step-by-step video tutorial that shows you exactly from start to finish how to set that up. It solved that problem. So that is step number one. Step number two is then uh, how you solve that problem. So it's done through video. It's visual. So you can actually watch and see me solve that problem step-by-step. So you can pause the video. You can go back and forth. You can, hey, I missed that point. So let's jump back here. What you do there. So uh, there's that aspect of it. And then just cutting the video in such a way as to make it have two parts. And I touched on this earlier. The explanation as to why, because it helps to know the, the rationale for why something is being done or taught or told. And then jumping into the practicality of the how. So that's all included within that one free video. And then there's other things that you know are important as, as well when it comes to video. I mean... I, I'm a total nerd when it comes to the craft of video or audio. So I've actually, and I've touched on this in the previous episode, I've created a, a set in my garage. It's not a massive like Hollywood style set, but it's basic, uh, you know, the type of lens and the, the video quality and even the color correction. I pay attention to all of that stuff just because I'm kind of a nerd about it. But all of those things go into the video itself. Uh, and that at the end of the day is, you know, a lot of the pieces that I went you know, into actually creating that piece of content. But to answer the question, the original, the, the, you always have to start with that main question of what problem am I solving or what, uh, 
essentially that. What, what problem am I solving with this thing that I've created? Once it's done, can I say, uh, yes, I've solved this problem or no, I have not solved this problem. And I've asked this question myself and there has actually been videos I've created in the past where I've looked at it. I've been in the process of editing it. I've been going through the video and I, and I, I looked at, you know, where, uh, you know, the points that I've made and the video itself. And I've said, you know what? I just don't think that this is effectively answering that question or solving this problem. I'm going to scrap it. And I have done that before. And that's one of the things that we always have to be considering as we are creating content or as we are making products or working with clients when it comes to, is this good enough? You have to set your own bar there. And I think the higher you can set that bar, the better off you will be. And by the way, you can actually raise that bar as you go. Like there will be like the videos I create now, I have a a higher expectation from myself of that quality, not only of content, but of the actual visual aspects than I did with the very first video I created. The point is to have a bar to begin with and to try to push that up as you, you move forward and you improve in your craft. I think centering the the concept of craftsmanship and marketing around the customer is so critical. And like you talked about before, you know, if we try to make something for everyone, no one's going to buy it. If you try to write a book yes. for everyone, no one's going to listen. I mean, no one's going to read it. If you try to create a podcast for everyone, no one is going to listen. Um, and having that customer always in mind and like, okay, did I, you know, I set out to solve this problem. I set out to deliver this product did i did i meet that expectation um and there's there's this you know tough you know question of are are you selling are you creating something worth buying you know does that does your level of of craftsmanship and that quality align with the marketability of it and like do people do people want it and is it is it worth is it worth buying? How do you navigate that question? Yeah, no, that's a that's a really great question. And something that you do have to face at some point, which is that, is there a market for what I'm selling? Are there people who would actually want to buy this? And here's what's really interesting about this is that I've noticed a lot of people who will create a product and then try to find a market to sell it to. That is the total backwards way to approach the whole concept. It's kind of like having a key and then uh, trying to figure out which door it goes to, as opposed to having a door you need to get into and having a key crafted for that door. It's the exact opposite. So it's it's kind of it's definitely putting the the cart before the horse. What you what you could find out, you know, five ten years in is that nobody wants this. It's just not something that anybody needs. And so I know I'm kind of repeating myself a little bit here. That's why I'm such a big proponent of creating content, because if you start with the concept or the philosophy or the style or the way of doing the work that you do, if you start there and start with an audience, you're going to find that natural questions arise as a result of that. You're going to also find out pretty quickly I'm not really gaining gaining any traction with this particular, with these blog posts I'm writing, or I'm not really gaining any, it doesn't really seem to be any interest in this video I'm creating. And you can stop there and say, and just realize that I'm just not really talking to any actual problems that people are having. And that's okay. You just move on to the next thing or the next uh, approach or style. And I know this is a story I've touched on at one point, but 
Uh, Mignon Fogarty. She is better known as Grammar Girl, originally started a podcast on biology or something scientific. I can't remember what it was exactly. She loved podcasting and she loved biology and that was her major in college. Started a podcast that went nowhere. She had, uh, she was also, I think she minored in English or something like that. So it was very up on her grammar. Started a grammar podcast, which she didn't find quite as interesting as the biology and that podcast took off to become one of the most popular educational podcasts ever. So again, a part of it is aligning um, what you what you are good at, what you're interested in, with a particular crowd or tribe or audience. And I think one of the things she actually even mentioned in that interview was that she said, "I, I hate the term like when the the advice, you know, follow your passion, follow you what you like." And it's like, well, it the fact of the the, the hard reality is that people may not be interested in what you're passionate about. So you have to find a balance between doing good work that you like to do with an actual crowd or tribe or group of people who find interest in that. So to kind of circle back around to your original question and point, uh, when it comes to finding uh, an audience or when it comes to uh, knowing who you're doing the work for, it's important first. I think before you're creating something that you're going to sell, find something to offer for free. And find out the interest there before trying to make a product that you're going to sell. Again, coming back to that concept of generosity and giving giving something away that is that is that is valuable, um, but that requires you know only a a lower incremental level of you know your your craft and resources to test that idea out because if you um, you know, uh, whether you're creating a physical product or a digital product or a service or something, if you put all of this time and effort into, you know, crafting and creating this thing and then no one buys it, you're going to feel really defeated and frustrated. Yes, you might have, you know, a, a sense of accomplishment in yourself of having, you know, built this thing or crafted this service or built this course or recorded all these videos, you'll have that self-satisfaction, but your idea isn't validated. Um, in fact, quite in quite the opposite. And so co- continuing to come back to that question of who are you serving? How are you helping solve a problem for them? Will not only improve, improve your business in creating something that resonates with an audience, it will also improve improve your quality and craftsmanship as well um yeah last question on this thomas is if what do you do to increase your level of craftsmanship so you you have a good balance and relationship between the marketing and craftsmanship um and you've identified your target audience you have a winning idea um but you come up you hit kind of a ceiling you hit a wall where uh your your level of craftsmanship and skill um not that it's lacking, but now it needs to improve. How do you how do you go about getting to that next level? Yeah, I think, and this can be different for different people and for different industries. I think once you have really narrowed down on your niche and on the thing that you do and the way that you do it, is to once you've really hit that point that you're describing, is to not be afraid to expand a little bit. And to find a variation of that work that you can do. So again, if we're to talk about Rightly and Company, what we do is we build websites, you know, for a particular crowd of people, for people who are building it, you know, independent businesses or brands on the web, small, medium-sized businesses. 
And so something else we're just starting to get into is uh, offering video production for, you know, course creators or membership sites or that sort of thing. So at that point, we're taking that same fundamental approach to craftsmanship and branching out from there. So like, for example, if you are, so here, here's something else you could do. Let's say that you're a barber, since we've been using that example. And let's say you've just got a really creative, you know, fresh, neat way that you apply to, you know, uh, cutting hair. Well, you could actually take that then and create some sort of like video tutorial online course for how to, you know, run a barbershop or what makes yours unique or, you know, something like that that you actually charge for. It's taking that craft you do and then moving it to a different area of business where you can serve more people uh, and actually build the business that way. You can actually increase revenue. Uh, and that's just taking your craft and offering it in another way. So there's a lot of different potential there. So like, for example, if you're a writer and you teach on a particular topic, you can turn that into an online course. You can start creating products uh, that are still serving the same type of people, but just in a wider and more diverse way. So I think from a purely business perspective, once you've got that craft down and you're known for doing work a particular way, you can start asking the question, how can I scale that? How can I take that way of doing that work and reach more people with it? Because obviously, if you're a real estate agent, you can only take on so many clients at once. If you are cutting hair, there's only so many different hours in the day. But I think today, in today's digital age, with, with all the tools and resources that are available to us, we are now able to reach more people uh, than we ever could before. So again, it's asking that question. But first, you know, it's not putting the cart before the horse. It is, you don't, you don't stop, you don't start running in all these different directions to begin with. You don't say, okay, membership site. Okay. Online shop. Okay. Blog. Okay. All these different directions at first, because nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to bite on those. Once you can say, okay, this is working. Uh, people like this, uh, this product or whatever it is. And you've honed that one in and it is successful. It's at that point you say, okay, how can I expand this? How can I make what's working here work over here as well? So that's that's how I would say from kind of a general perspective, how you could take what you do and reach more people with it and kind of take it to the next level. I love that. That's all I got, man. No, it sounds great. Yeah, it was actually, we covered a lot of ground and I know it's, it's one of those topics that's kind of near and dear to my heart <laughs> in the yeah. sense that um, when it comes to doing work, I think doing work that matters is doing it from a, a perspective of somebody who just really wants to serve and help the audience that they're working with. So thank you very much, Casey. I appreciate it. As always, if you haven't already, check out Casey's website at caseyproctor.com. Casey's always doing amazing work, so be sure to check that out. Also, as I mentioned at the top of the show, be sure to uh, check out that free video that we have over at Rightly TV. Uh, we also have a, which would be an interesting companion to this particular uh, episode. I actually did an interview a while back with the person who runs this barbershop and he kind of gave his thoughts and ideas behind the way that he runs uh, his barbershop, particularly from a craft perspective. So again, check that over, uh, check that out over at rightly.tv. And as always, if you're finding the Rightly show useful, we always do appreciate it if you leave us a review on iTunes. Until next week, go out there and create a brand that is truly rightly designed. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the program. 
If you found it useful, please take a quick moment to leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher or the medium of your choosing.